Howdy gamers, it's Layton here from Layton Night, the podcast that you're currently listening to in case you accidentally stumbled upon this, in which case I am sorry, but just wanted to let you know that there is a video version of this episode that is up on our Patreon for all tiers. So if you want to join us over there, depending on the tier, you can get all sorts of cool benefits. We do mini-sodes every week. We do some fun videos. Uh, you get access to our fan discord and overall it's a really lovely time and we would love to have you there. So without any further ado, here is the audio version of this episode. So if you want to do the video version, you can go to patreon.com slash late night or not it's really whatever floats your boat. Anyway, episode. my iPad go off and I forgot to... Oh! Actually, I have a thing about this. <laughs> it happened right before this. During a recent episode, I, I... I guess I don't normally have the iPad in this room when we record. And it started going off, so I put it outside the door like a, you know... <laughs> like it was a dog. That yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this time, today, it beats... Is it an outdoor day. iPad? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, primarily for outdoor use. It's for the squirrel that lives in the tree. That yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I should. Did I talk about this on the show? My, my previous iPad. I was uh, relaxing in a bubble bath and watching uh, <laughs> a movie, and I jostled, you know, the iPad stand. And this iPad, which was to be fair, pretty old, just took a nosedive into the tub, and oh. it, it booted up for like an hour, and then was never heard from again. So I got this new one. Yeah. Worst of those is there was a generation of the like iPod nano slash mini, the like the the kinds that they don't even like fucking make anymore. That was like a little square that had a screen Mm -hmm. and you could Mm -hmm. wear it like a watch, like a pre-Apple watch watch. This was in like 2012, 11. I know what you're talking about. Yes. I love that little guy. And it somehow fell out while I was flushing the toilet. And oh so it just, just went straight down. And it, straight it, it's down. in retrospect, it, it's one of the most like beautiful moments because it's just like, oh, I just speed ran the the whole Dabda. Like <laughs> I just went straight to like, oh, okay, uh, that happened. Okay. Yep. And there's nothing you can do. Oh, no, no, not even like, ew, I don't want to like touch it. It's just like that is now in the sewage system somewhere. So that's that's, that's cool. amazing. Every time I, I I put in or take out a contact, I have learned especially when a new place, look at the sink and make sure there's a, a stopper in it. Because I have definitely very, very poor eyesight. And these fuckers, I'm wearing contacts all the time. They're not cheap. And I had one where it fell down the drain but got caught on the side, you know, just like stuck yeah. right to the side, just down and just take it oh, out. you're not putting it back in your eye. No, it touches well, your eyeball. I, 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 but I cleaned this it. This is why I'm, I have to be glasses. I can't touch my peepers. It took me forever to get used to doing it. And now, I've, I mean, I've been wearing it for like 20 years now and it's no problem, but I still hate it. Do you feel like there's been an improvement in contact technology in those 20 years that you've been wearing them? Like, do you notice a difference? Honestly, I don't notice a big difference in mine, but I always, from the beginning, I've had a high and specialized prescription. So I've been at the, like, the edges of contact lens technology, probably, 
because I'm, I'm like minus 15 in both. Uh, it's it's Whoa. really bad. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm blind. Am I legally blind? I must be. I can't drive without these things in. With them in, it's 2020. It's like no big deal. You just have like the ends of Coke bottles on your eyeballs. I tried his, his glasses on once. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. So now, of course, you can get these lenses with the high index of refraction, right? Which make them much thinner than they otherwise would be. But the last time, this is a long fucking time ago. This is like 30 years ago, probably. The last time I tried to get lenses without any kind of, you know, higher index, I couldn't fold them because the lenses were so thick and the way the frames were designed, I couldn't put the ear, ear pieces. What do you call them? The, the things that go on the sides of your, I couldn't put them down. Wow. It was not, and I was like, what the fuck is it? And also, you know, I I think I was in high school at the time, and that's not the look you want. No, I feel like that's definitely come around. I feel like now glasses are are a little more trendy, but boy, howdy, they were not. Well, and also there was the period for a while in like mid-2000s, 2010, where all glasses were like the really skinny black, like the Liz Lemon glasses. Oh, yeah. I rocked those for way too long. And then it's like, once you get to a bigger size, it's like, I cannot possibly go back to smaller than the size I'm wearing. I can see everything. They're terrible. When you get those tiny lenses that are like this, it's like your field of vision is like, it, it, it feels like it's a little bar. It's crazy. Yeah, they made me feel really smart. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, you know, I am old enough to have been alive and in school when being that kind of nerd was not cool. The Revenge of the Nerds era nerd. And that movie, by the way, is not problematic at all. And everyone loves it. <laughs> Super cool the, stuff happens in that movie. Yeah, and that's the, the podcast stance. Yeah, that, that's a late <laughs> night with Brian Weck promise. Revenge of the Nerds, we like it. No reservations. Um, oh, <laughs> Talk about movies that do not hold up. That is uh, example number one. Most 80s movies. Yeah. Who would have thought that an 80s sex comedy wouldn't have aged well? (laughs) Right. I don't know anyone currently that wears hard contacts. Right. Why? Why would you in 2023? Well, you know, if you want to have hard contacts, you can always (laughs) do it. Say it. Say it. (laughs) I was really, I was really going to try to sell it the way that you do, Brian. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it. It's, it's, if you want hard contacts, you, you just, yes. you put them in your eye and you rub. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> Brian does this fucking joke. Anytime anything is called hard ever in the show. Good to know. Good. good. <laughs> anyway, Tom, but that's, I like, how, that's how you make, hold on, hold on. That's how you make hard lemonade or hard cider is you take regular cider and you just rub it. Okay, okay. Yeah. Don't do the cool. motion. But also, I you love the idea the of, of hard pa- contacts. Pa- hold on, as wait, just like a, a, No, shut Patreon, the fuck Patreon up, Patreon Shut the fuck up. You can watch me do the motion <laughs> on patreon.com slash Anyway, shut the fuck up, Ryan. I think that hard contacts that you just absorb like a Truly or a White Claw through your eyes, it would be cool. It would kill you, but, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know. It would be pretty cool. Instead of drinking like straight grain alcohol to go blind, yeah. you could just... That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Ocular suppositories. Uh, the- Man, this show is terrible. Why does anybody listen to this show? <laughs> uh, I'm not convinced that people do, by the way. Uh, the-, <laughs> the stats don't lie, Brian. Five whole people listen to this show. No, that's true, yeah. <laughs> there was an old like movie and TV trope of, I dropped my contact. Do you remember this? And then mm-hmm. someone would be walking and you'd hear crunch. Do you guys ever remember seeing this? 
I mean, I, I know of the like Velma, the like, my glasses, I can't see without my glasses kind right. of thing. Or, or people pretending that they're looking for a contact when they're like snooping or something. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. yes. I can't remember exactly what this is from, but it was in a bunch of stuff. It'd be like, nobody move. A contact fell out. And then someone would like snap and you'd hear crunch because everyone was wearing hard contacts at the time. They didn't have oh. soft. And the idea is that, you know, someone stepped on the on the contact lens. What a story. Anyway. Actually, you know what? I want to go back to your iPod Nano falling down the toilet is kind of what we did culturally with iPods. Like I miss, yeah. <laughs> I miss iPods very badly. Like just having a separate thing that isn't your fucking phone that has all your music on it and you don't need to be connected to the internet. Like I, every couple of months, Google like, what's the 2023 version of an iPod? Does that exist? Can I have one? That <laughs> it's, called a, it's called a Zune, Layton, I believe. Zunes were tight, dude. I bought my mom one for Christmas when I was a kid and then she never used it. And so I took it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there was a period where I was legit using a PSP to load MP3 files and play audio that way. Like, Downloading YouTube videos to MP3s so I could listen to Ugh. Daft Punk on my PSP. That's awesome. God, that's so cool. It was also like the Wild West of like devices playing MP3s like that. You know, like like the DS and like the Switch these days don't do that stuff. But I feel like no, it was like the quasi period where it was like, maybe this device will be your all-in-one device. It'll be the PSP. I remember you could get the little cartridge to put into your Nintendo DS that was like a web browser that I wanted really bad. Really? I I didn't know that. Yeah. Talk to me about the PSP. I never owned a PSP and I always thought they were so cool. Tell me about your favorite PSP games. This was like the era of ports. Like, so for example, like that one Star Wars game where like you're another apprentice of Darth Vader or something like that. Force Unleashed. That was like a fully like realized game on like the modern consoles. But then they just had to also make a PSP port of it that was like from the ground up entirely different, like probably entirely different engines so I can run on the PSP and stuff like that. And so you had a lot like those. It had one thumbstick, which was the bane of my existence because you Mm -hmm. couldn't control. And so I was very into Monster Hunter on the PSP. And Uh you developed something called Clawfinger where your thumb would move the thing and your index finger would wrap around to the front to hit the D-pad so you could move the camera at the same time. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And it was also very, very, and thank you, Sony, for doing this, very easily hackable. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's some of the earliest, like, computer science-y stuff I remember doing uh, was just to to get games on, on, onto there. It was a good thing. It was, it was very, like, open in that sense. Yeah, I could play MP3s and weird stuff like that. Did you ever have to, like, physically crack it open or just hackable in terms of the Yeah, code. I mean, like, I think there might have been one or two I did like that, but it was also very hackable. It also had, like, a physical, like, disc cartridge on the back. And, like, also, what a concept, a removable battery. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a really shitty uh, turn in laptops, specifically with Apple, where they just built the battery in and you couldn't take the fucker out. I remember swapping up batteries all the time. Like, right to uh, repair, baby. Yes. Let us have it. Planned obsolescence is so cool and good and fun. (laughs) And that's the podcast stance. I'm glad I'm here to officiate that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to introduce the show (gasps) right now. I know. I know. Gasp worthy indeed. Everybody, 
This is Late Night with Brian Weck. My name is Brian Weck. Across from, oh, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Of course, well-deserved. Across from me is Layton Gray. Layton. That's me. Boo. Go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're saying boo earns. Uh, Mr. Guest, would you care to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Tom Lum. I host a science and comedy podcast called Let's Learn Everything, where we learn about science stuff like carbon dating and the history of recorded sound. We answer weird science questions like, which animal has the most bones? What's the middlest size in the universe? And then we also talk about miscellaneous topics like fan fiction, PowerPoint as an art form. I researched the whole topic on the triangle, the instrument, and I also make educational and silly TikToks. I help research and write science videos for Veritasium and Answer in Progress. Uh, occasionally, you know, one-offs on that. And yeah, I used to make video games. I write sometimes. I You're sometimes make music. Yeah, sometimes yeah. make music. All that stuff. And the oh, crowd dang. goes awesome. wild. Yes. Boo! That was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was also such a great. Too many a lot of times, things. <laughs> sorry, sorry, what were you saying? A lot of times when we ask people to introduce themselves, they just say what their name is and refuse to yeah. elaborate, which I completely respect because I do the oh, exact same thing. Yes, well, it's also strictly speaking, usually, usually on a professional broadcast, which is not this, you introduce the guest. You don't make them do Force the work. Them However, to do the legwork. That's right. Because of the way we operate here. Who was it? We had someone on the show who, before we even got to this point, I really wish I could remember who it was. They mentioned something about being on some shitty show where they had to introduce themselves. I don't even remember. Do you remember this? this? <laughs> no. Do you remember this? So no, but we, of course, I'm not gonna change for that guy or girl or whoever it was. So we we made them introduce themselves with apologies. And it's also like Whenever I go on a podcast, the most uncomfortable part is when they read your accolades to oh introduce you. That makes yes. me want to yeah. spontaneously combust uh, out of sheer shame because I'm normal. It is always interesting when you do get introduced by someone, you know, who you don't you don't really know. It's like, wait, this is who they think I am? Whoa, <laughs> that's that's not who I think I am. What was the most interesting thing to you? The thing I don't remember doing? I always find those introductions fascinating. You can see firsthand someone else's version of yourself. Yeah. Right. I mean, of course it's reductive. Any introduction is reductive, but it's reductive through in a very specific way. Back when I was a, uh, a physicist, you know, you go to colloquia and things like that. And for the fancy people, they will read an introduction and there is truly no deeper pit to be in than sitting through <laughs> A scientist who typically has no, say, crowd work or presentational <laughs> skills, robotically reading a list of every prize they've ever won. You know, if it's some like old fancy person and, and then <laughs> won the Dirac medal in 2013 for contributions to it's like, oh, my God, can we just like let's just hear the talk. We know that we know there's a fancy scientist. Let's hear the fancy scientist be fancy. But then it's you and you're like. Other people don't perceive me as a sentient garbage can? What? That's right. <laughs> Excuse me? My favorite ones were always British scientists, especially older people who, you know, on their papers, it's like, you know, D.W.J. Jones or whatever. And then their nickname is something like Bippy. And so 
you know, it's like, and you know, we're very happy to have Professor D.W.J. Jones. Uh, I've known Bippy since we were colleagues at Cambridge. <laughs> it's like, what? Leighton, I do, I do love obvious, the idea yeah. of a, a podcast host being like, and here we have Tom Lum. You may know him from having not made breakfast the past two weeks. Um, <laughs> from sleeping at, at, at four in the morning every single day, night. Uh, here he is. And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. Leighton Gray, who had to frantically clean up everything that's visible in the camera because she spent the entire Labor Day weekend playing Fallout 4 and doing nothing else. <laughs> For me, it was Armored Core. Oh, how is it? Nice. Oh, let's, let's get into it. Like, wh what's your take on Armored Core? It's great. I think I did go into it thinking it was going to be more Elden Ringy, but it's just so ludicrous. It borders on camp the way, like... <laughs> Every single mission ends with like, that's the end of the mission. But wait, what's that? It's like, yeah, of course. I, mean, I know. I know. I know this is going to happen. But it's like the sixth one. So like, it's like a science now. There's like four different weapons you're maintaining at the same time. Like, it's amazing because like the interface looks like a, like a fake UI for like a, you know, like a robot game. But every single meter does actually do something. Oh my God. Pay attention. I've heard people complaining it's a bit too hard. I, I think it's actually one of the easier FromSoft games. So I, the only From game I've ever played is Elden Ring, which I loved. I talked extensively about it on the show. I understand it's not for everybody, but that like keep trying until you do it. I love it. I love it. I have a pretty high tolerance for that. Maybe I'll give it a, a shot because I did like Elden Ring It seems Ring very, so much. very up your alley. Yeah. It's also very forgiving in terms of like, if you lose to a boss, you can like change your loadout and then try it again immediately after. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. it really encourages like trying weird stuff like that, which is very cool. Again, they've perfected it at this point. It's like, a, yeah, it's a science. That's great. I'm at a video game transition right now. I'm not playing anything at the moment. I was debating Baldur's Gate. I feel like you would have a lot of fun with Baldur's Gate. I've heard nothing but like glowing stuff. I'm not a D&D &D person for some reason. It doesn't click for me and the combat seems miserable, but I've heard that yeah. it's very <laughs> characterful and fun in a way that a lot of games, you know, Starfield just came out and as a reluctant Miss Bethany. I heard that uh, Starfield hates, <laughs> hates Mondays. I'm logging off. I'm leaving. It's the last episode. But Starfield does like lasagna <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Starfield does not like uh, oh, Odin. I just got it. Never mind. Yeah. yeah. Was, oh, oh, driving it, it home. It really took me a second. Yeah, no, that's okay. It was poorly delivered and timed. Should it have that aftertaste? Is that normal? <laughs> yeah. <that's great>. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to late night. Why does it taste like almonds? Like yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I have not been like hotly anticipating Starfield, but have been interesting just based on the hundreds upon hundreds of hours I've put into Bethesda games in this fucking life. But I was talking to a friend of the pod, friend of me, uh, Jory, this morning. He's my friend, too. You could mention me in that if you wanted. Friend of you, yeah. friend of all, that he, he like played a good bit of Starfield. And, you know, I, I love Jory to death for many reasons. But one of the reasons is that, like, he's just so great to go roast mode. Like, he has <laughs> this, the most. He, he calls it beast mode, to be fair. <laughs> Shut up. He has the most scathing criticisms of things that are bad. Yes, yeah. love oh. someone like that. It's such a joy to talk to him about it. And he was like, I don't even know what to say. It was so bland that I just don't even wow. have anything. To he said that it feels like 
the fake video game you would see in the background of a movie. <laughs> oh, I'll be honest. Like the only like great clip I've seen of it, which did convince me a lot, was a clip of someone opening like a hinged vault door and like a thousand potatoes coming out. I was like, oh, okay, good, good, good. It's still, it's still Bethesda <laughs> game at its heart. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it's also like, I've been playing a shit ton of Fallout 4, but only because I have 115 mods in my load order. <laughs> oh, And it wow. makes it so bearable, so bearable. But base game is just like fucking trash. Oh, I guess, yeah, I guess there's just no mods yet for a Starfield. Oh, no, no. Hundreds of mods are being uploaded. Yeah, I, I you know, heard there's I'm gonna go one, to Nexus mods there's one, right it's called uh, Starfield minus Starfield. That's good. No, that's <laughs> a good oh, one. Oh, and it's a bunch of hacky Cthulhu comics. Yeah, right, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> Fucking brutal, Layton. Very oh. nice. Sorry, Garfield without Garfield is the one where they just edit him out. I like yeah. those. I hate the like the ones where it's just like, what if Garfield was like an Eldritch abomination? I like <laughs> the, the idea of Garfield minus Garfield, Garfield without Garfield, whatever it was. And then it became too popular. Like for a few, it's like a funny, cool idea, which I really like. Yeah. And then it became like kind of a meme and then it lost all of its funness as there's one so things. that's called like literally something like Garfield minus Garfield cubed or something like that. Like <laughs> where it is Randall Monroe from XKCD uh-huh. had to like make Garfield <laughs> funny. Oh, I want to look at this. Brian, I hate you so much. I hear it every single time now. I hear Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> Starfield. Starfield. <laughs> My job is done. My other favorite pronunciation like that is um, we started started pronouncing Chainsaw Man like you would... Saul Goodman, so it's Chain Salmon. Chain Saul, yes, <laughs> I, that is a good move. That's with precious. yeah, with with any superhero, Spider Man, Batman, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, all of it. I think that's great. That was an old Daily Show joke. That's where I first heard that for the first. I think even Craig Kilborn, uh, Daily oh, Show. Oh damn, so I believe. old school. Yeah, his name is Spider Man, Irving Spider Man. Leighton, I apologize. You were going to report on Nexus mods. Yes. I just want to say I admire the community's restraint that I'm on page four of most endorsed mods and I've not seen a single horny mod. Oh. So. Well, that's subjective though. You know. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Sometimes a clean UI, you know. (laughs) Somebody gets really gets off on like dot any tweaks. Not a horny one in sight. What the hell, guys? Get on it. (laughs) There's something about people who are horny who make mods because so much work goes into it and I have 115 mods in my follow for a load order. You best believe that I have some horny ones. Give us some specifics here. They're the fuck mods. Like the, <laughs> the, the Atomic Lust is one of them. Oh. And I downloaded it just because it was like, yeah, why not? What does that mod I'm do? getting there. Okay, the okay. names Jesus. are so good. Yes. <laughs> and the amount of work that you have to go through, even with using the mod as intended to create Pornhub sidebar ad quality um, (laughs) mechanical bobbing is insane. And so it really makes me feel even more frightened of the people who put so much work into this because it's like, you spent an hour trying to make this happen. This one looping animation that looks like shit. Mm -hmm. So now I can't remove it from my load order because it'll fuck up all my existing saves. (laughs) It's now now a load-bearing Bornhub side ad. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's the main fuck one. I have like a make Hancock sexy one, but he was already sexy. Just this one makes me a little cuter. I don't know the game. That's not Will Smith Hancock, right? That's a different. Shut up. 
I'm, I'm he's legitimately asking you. He's like a necrotic ghoul. Okay, cool. See, that's all you needed to say. I didn't need the attitude on that one. You're giving me lip. You're always giving me lip. I have never. I, I can, have I can never. Go. You guys want this? Was great. <laughs> I can just. <laughs> One of our great pleasures is forcing guests to listen to us as we bicker. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, Tom. we haven't yelled at each other in a while. I haven't done anything worthy of being yelled at. <laughs> we'll see. Time Ever. will tell. Ever. Ever, indeed. <laughs> Look, I think I'm the nicest guy I know. I wouldn't disagree with that outside yeah, with of that the context statement. of this show. Yeah. I, I do think that the things that you regularly do on this show and the violations you make against comedy are worthy of <laughs> trial and execution. Yeah. Well, when when comedy files charges, I'll let you know. <laughs> Brian Wecht versus comedy. Oh, that's <laughs> the Supreme you know Court. What? I think I just found the title of my solo album. I was just going to say, that's really My good. stand-up set. It's the, okay, this is the slight change of pace. And then actually, I do want to talk, Tom, about you and what you do. But um, do you know Andrew Dice Clay? You know the comedian? Uh, of course. Uh, it's like uh, uh, a bibbledy-bibbledy-bop. Hey, yeah. the mouse yeah. and I fuck. Hey. Honestly, dude, <laughs> flawless, flawless impression of Andrew Dice Clay. So he's very popular in the 80s, 90s, late 80s, somewhere in there. Uh, Yeah, and he's got got that, uh, you know, kind of broke thing that you did better than I just did. And at the height of his popularity, he puts out, I believe it's a double album called The Day the Laughter Died. And it's him just bombing. I mean, bombing for like an hour or two. It is nuts. I mean, a very popular, not middle of the road exactly, but like lowbrow kind of comic. And he does this like avant-garde weird thing. I think it was Rick Rubin produced even. And yeah, it's this like weird avant-garde comedy thing. Is it good? I don't know. I haven't heard this in years. But is is it presented like here's me bombing because I was bad or people don't appreciate my No, 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 no. It is not presented as people don't appreciate me. I think, and I could be wrong, someone should fact check this. He got to that stage of comedy where like people would just laugh at everything he said, no matter what it was. Mm. And so he goes in and aggressively tries to alienate the audience by doing bad shit. And it's not presented like, hey, I'm a genius, you know. It's like, Watch me. It's like fail. a Nirvana fuck you kind of. Yes. Yes. Almost. Yeah. That's a little like Neil Hamburgery. Yes. It is a little Neil Hamburgery. Now, I haven't heard this in years. And even then, I don't think I ever made it through the whole thing. But that is what I would want my versus comedy album to be like just. So the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Closer than you realize. Uh, the uh, It's so hard to do that thing where you're bad but not entertainingly bad but it feels kind of it's like a very fine line to walk right i would love to see you do a kind of like tim heidecker's latest special where it is like actively alienated in some of just like the funniest shit i've ever seen but you have to be so dialed in to like his specific brand of playing a narcissistic Mm -hmm. asshole yeah he fumbles with the mic stand for like 10 minutes at the opening of it and like Immediately, I feel like half of your audience is out. Yes. God. I was going to say, there was um, one of the dropout shows. I think it was um, Total Forgiveness with uh, Grant O'Brien and Allie Beardsley. They do a thing where Allie writes Grant's stand-up comedy and he has to like do it 
it, it oh, straight great. up. And it's, it, it's just so like, because you have to like know what's funny to know what's not funny. But like, mm-hmm. he's like, so, you know, uh, with like avocado toast these days, well, I've been seeing other places. They got like, it's like tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> there has to be like some like hope to it mm-hmm. that there will be a joke and then there has to be zero payoff to it which is so um it's something specific yeah i was debating tell me what you think about this i didn't do it because i didn't want to get beat up but <laughs> so when i was living in in boston as a postdoc you know and i was in like the the improv world there but not the stand-up world boston has a big stand-up scene i was always curious about trying to do a stand-up set that is, you know, it's all the trappings of a quote unquote normal stand up set, but it's very technical details about string theory and particle physics. You know, like, well, why is it always that this bosonic string tachyon condensation, <laughs> right? You can't get the closed string tachyon to condense. It's always the open, you know, that sort of like 80s Seinfeld comedy. And I had someone say, you could maybe do that in Cambridge if you go to Boston you will die, which is probably not strictly <laughs> true, but I was always curious about that sort of thing. But that's actually a good segue. Into our unfunny show, yeah. let's learn everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, so you, you do an amazing uh, From podcast with a really great conceit. So can you please describe to people what the idea behind Let's Learn Everything is beyond the title. Like, and I want to talk about you know all the fucking work that you guys put into this because it really is a cool yeah. idea. Um, so... I remember when we were all discussing it, the idea was we wanted to talk about science, but also just like a little dash of like other things that we also like to talk about. So it's like Mm -hmm. two parts science, one part miscellaneous. So it's three sections to the show and it rotates and each one of us is responsible for researching one section and then teaching the others and they they Mm -hmm. don't know about it. So we have a main science topic, we have a science question that we answer, and then we have a miscellaneous topic. So like literally one episode will be like the science of pregnancy tests. The question will be, what's the middlest size in the universe? And then the miscellaneous will be the history of fan fiction. Mm-hmm. It's all a part of a balanced breakfast of uh, stuff. Yeah. But that aspect of like, learning through it with someone else. You know, I obviously big inspirations from podcasts like You're Wrong About, where sort of like the process of like explaining something to someone is helpful both for them and for you. Like um, the metaphors that people come up with when they're hearing it for the first time or or they're just learning about something. And also numerous times I will like have a topic researched and I'll be like, this is okay. But like something in the chemistry of it all, like with everyone else's reactions and jokes that I had not planned at all, it comes together to be like uh, the best. So it, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a thing. I think you guys do very well something that is very hard to do, which is I have seen so many variations be on. Be hot and funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Yes, indeed. I've seen so many variations on the, you know, we're going to talk about science, but also we're going to have like a comedy person making jokes the whole time. And so many times it's like, no, no, no. Like I can feel the scientist feeling or wanting to say, calm down. I'm trying to explain something like just, <laughs> it's not that funny. 
let me get through this without you like bothering me because I'm making a point mm. here. I think you guys, you walk a a fine and difficult line of being funny and actually getting, you know, content, like good explanations and stuff across. That's very hard to do. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> that is an inter- interesting thing of like host of the show who does all of the heavy lifting of like, you know, sifting through hours of footage or writing a script and then a comedy person who's just chiming in. Like that dynamic is really amusing to me. But also it's like, Brian, I feel like whenever we have a sciencey person on the show, I always refer to it mentally as Ben Kissling, uh, as, you know, Ben Kissel from last mm-hmm, podcast mm-hmm. on the left, who is just kind of in that role permanently, mm-hmm. where it's, I'm just like, hey, guys, I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> I, think, I think, you know, what, what, helps, what helps with that is the fact that we all do the work. You know, we all right, rotate through right. it. Yeah. Every episode, we each play the role of the teacher and the rowdy students at the same time. So mm-hmm, we, we mm-hmm. understand right. uh, the process that goes into it and can also then like make jokes about that, about like how, you know, every old thing inevitably goes to ancient Egypt and like that's like a, a, a recurring <laughs> bit now. It's like it probably mm-hmm. was them uh, if we're talking yeah. about like the first X, <laughs> Y, or Z. But Yeah. I, w- I would be remiss if I didn't say in general, I'm a MaxFun supporter and fan of so many shows on that network. Love so much of what that network does. First of all, I will say they're, they're amazing. Truly been so kind. Everyone there does so much cool stuff. And everyone else on the network is, is so sweet. But like we had done like a few episodes at that point, I think maybe like 20 or so. And another network had reached out to us that we weren't as familiar with. And we mm-hmm. were like, yeah, that sounds cool. It would be cool to be in the network. And you were doing this independently first, you're saying? Don't ever do this. We were doing it so miserably independently. Do you know how independently we were doing it? I was hosting the XML file on S3 by my... I was uploading and (laughs) editing the the XML file that has like the dates, the episode Mm -hmm, number, mm -hmm. the like metadata. I was like manually editing it because I was like... Well, this way, then we just pay for the hosting fees and we don't have to like do with <laughs> deal with like simple cast or whatever. Right, right, blah, right. Blah, blah, when in fact, it's like, oh, they, they do a lot of stuff. That is nice. And it's, it's nice yeah. to not have to. Don't do that. I thought I was being cool and clever <laughs> and a computer scientist. It was miserable. So, so we had um, been, yeah, courted by some other network. And then um, we were like, that's cool. You know, like we don't know them super well, but like we are coming from. TikTok world where like it's very difficult to like to switch platforms like that. But then we were like, you know what? Before we say yes to this, why don't we just like moonshot, like just ask Max mm-hmm. Fun and some other sh- networks that we like really, really adore very, 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 very nicely. And then they were like, that's interesting. Let's talk. And I was like, that's great. Cool. That's cool. When we were working it out, we were like, I know this is a long shot, but it would also be a good fit of the like silliness and Vibe, the, the, yeah. the science of it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think we may or may not have like sent a cold email to NPR or something where it's like, that's not, they're not, yeah. they're not going to be up against like invisibilia, sadly, but that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's been a, it's been a good network. Fit. But I mean, one of the great good things about podcasts I do love is that like, I think one of the reasons why the Apple podcast app is so shitty is a barometer of the fact that they can't find a way to make, to steal money from the podcast. Like they, they, mm-hmm. they haven't found a way to cut the top like X percent off of podcasts yet, which is why they spend so little time making the app functional at all. 
Right. And so right. I'm, I'm like, that's a good thing, actually, because it's a sign that like this is still a platform that miraculously you can do shittily and still have people listen. Yes. So even sometimes make money of it through through Patreon and through et cetera and through other stuff. So it is really um I do love it in that sense. Not just because like I do it, but like I've always been the, the huge podcast head since I was a a kid. Say say well not since I was a kid because I'm too old, but like when podcasts first started, <laughs> I was pretty much in from the get-go. Like, you know, there there are several prominent podcasts, a few of which are on Max Fun that I have heard every single episode of because I started early, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Which is crazy. And some of those are in year 14 or something now of, of being a thing. I'll use one Max Fun as an example. I've heard every judge John Hodgman episode literally ever. (laughs) I started when that started and I have never stopped. And that show is still great. The podcast, The JV Club with Janet Varney is a show about like talking about your teen years. Yeah. And I started listening to it when I was a teen. Like the first episodes came out when I was like literally in high school going into college. And I very recently, an episode that I got to be on her show will be oh, nice. out, which was just like, wow. just like very weird, emotional, vertical, very sweet. And of course, just like she's an amazing person as a person, but yeah, like, yeah. just like very like, whoa, yeah. weird, weird. <laughs> it's so odd, yeah. To, That's to, awesome. to do that thing where you're like you're on the show you like with our 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 our, uh, our band Ninja Sex Party. We played Conan a few years back, and oh. it was like, what? What? Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, uh-uh. that this cannot be a thing. Yeah, and right, right off camera, you have your your Conan sign. It's it's very cute in that garage. Yeah, I have a. He held up a, a blown up version of our album cover and I took the nameplate off the dressing room door. You know, they just printed it on paper. It says, you know, Conan Ninja Sex Party. And I <laughs> got it framed with the album cover that he held up. Oh. Uh, and also oh. we part of the shtick was he, we held up cue cards as part of the song. And uh, one of his producers was like, you know, if you guys leave that here, I think we can you know, <laughs> sign it. And I have right over here, he signed it and, you know, wrote a whole thing. And it was like, it's fucking Conan. Like, oh, it was, I mean, that really was a dream come true. Yeah. I have like a little cubby of just like weird memorabilia like that. And I've always been like a, a sucker for that. I was big into RuneScape. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember... Nice. Of course. So fucking stupid. Because you have like a bank in the game and you can like store items there. I literally had like a stick, like a generic stick item or something like that, or maybe like a wooden sword or something like that, that I was like, this is the one that my cousin gave me when we first played, <laughs> like stuff like that, like that. But I do think I, so I love, great. I still do love little, and I have like a whole like back section of just like little memorabilia from like things like that. I think it's important to just like remember stuff like that, but you want, you yeah. guys want to know something really fucked yeah. up? Always. <laughs> so in... <laughs> 2017, me and some friends of mine made a video game, released it on Steam. It was like our first thing. Um, It's a whole story and a half. And I've been thinking about making like a a long form YouTube video about sort of like, because it is like a very 
middle of the road game dev story. And our stats, I think this is like, would be the like intro pitch of the video is that like, we are like exactly ranked 50% or like around there for like action video games. Mm-hmm. So like, we are like quantitatively just like middle of the road. But like, you know, the moral of the, the video is that like, we learned like a ton of lessons and it's been like great to talk about like on resumes and stuff like that. And was like a great lesson for a lot of us. So, but in that, video game, we put in some cheat codes for, it was like a a spaceship pixel art game kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. one of the cheat codes we put in, and this is not a joke, you can, you can check it, I promise I didn't add this there, this has always been there, is for a ship like this. Oh, what? No. You're kidding me. <laughs> Which is so funny. Um, that is amazing. Also had, had a bird in there, which was cute. Oh, the, oh dude. What? Which is uh, holy shit! Wild. That's incredible! Wow, that is so that blows Isn't my that mind. Weird? Isn't that fucked yeah. up? That's full circle <laughs> moment. Wait, and and yeah. wait, 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 when did you guys make that? Twenty seventeen. Wow! And you put the sixty nine sixty nine ship in there. That's yeah, awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> uh, I'm curious about how, like, what your science background is, but yeah. also how you got into game development. So I was. Uh, big English and theater kid. I, in high school, like wrote and self-published a book um, that I still, oh, hell yeah. I still have here because I think it's so funny to have. Okay, do tell. I want to know everything about this book. It's such a, it's such a, it's such a <laughs> high school thing. I, 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 like, I like did it in secret because like I was like, this way I can like show everyone and be like, oh, here's this thing that I did. And then like, and I like literally went up to like a girl I liked and was like, hey, look, the book. And she was like, oh, cool. And I was like, well, uh, okay, bye. Yeah. And then I was like, I was like, what the fuck did I think? What the fuck? What was I? What? That doesn't make any fucking yeah. stupid fucking. Can you please anyway. tell us the title of this book, Tom? This book please. is called Gear. It's the name of a character, but you don't know that until like the last chapter. When you mm-hmm. realize that the character <laughs> the whole time actually was a different character that had this name. It's like a magical realism. Reading a ton of Chuck Palahniuk at the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> also was, was big into the theater at my high school. All this to say, I went to Vassar, which is an artsy-fartsy place, specifically to study English and theater. And then my freshman year, my mom was like, you should take a computer science course. That's what she sounds like. She sounds exactly like that. Yep. Dead on. I was going to say, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, of course, I know your mom very well. And uh, no, no, here, here, she, 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 she's yeah. here right now. Hi, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I love and respect you. And I'm very proud of all the creative work you've done along with your professional work. Oh, mom, that's great. That's so cool. Wow. Also get your hair cut. Okay, so that's how you know it's really her. Um, but uh, <laughs> she was like, you should take a computer science course. And I was like, you know, I hacked around on my PSP. I guess I'll give it a shot. And fucking had the best teacher in the whole world, Jenny. And was just the sweetest and just, 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 just met everyone where they were. And I remember so clearly the moment where like one of the first things you do in, in computer science is like string manipulations, like characters and words you like. Reverse the letters, like make a program that can yeah. like take the letters and reverse them or something like that. And she was just like, we were doing one of them palindromes. And so she was like, my favorite palindrome is stack cats. And then I remember in the library after that, making a program that could like print out an ASCII art of like a stack of cats given a number. And I was spending uh-huh. like an hour on it. And I was like, what 
I'm fucked. I like this too much. I was like, oh no. Like this is this is the equivalent of like when you like knitting like a, a sweater for someone you're like, you're like, I'm fucked. I'm I'm uh-huh. head over heels with this thing. Like I like this too much. It's bad for me. And then I took another class in cognitive science, which is what my, what my second major was because I think I was listening to like a lot of like radio lab and stuff at the time. I thought that mm-hmm. was interesting. And so then I had to go to my pre-major advisor every semester and be like, he'd be like, oh, you're taking a lot of, taking a lot of um, science classes and not a lot of English and theater, like you said. And I was like, uh-huh. And he's like, I'm not going to see you much anymore, am I? I was like, no, sorry. <laughs> but, but that is the truly great thing about a liberal arts school. So oh, totally. I went to Williams College and I thought I was going to go in and major in physics and philosophy. And I ended up doing math and music instead, which, okay, it's not too different, but like, I like, I love music. Never thought I could like, you know, study composition and all that. Like you suddenly you start doing something in a liberal arts education, a liberal arts college, like Bass or Williams or whatever, you can just walk down that path. And And I think also there's a lot of like, I literally until sophomore year of college thought that poli sci meant multiple sciences (laughs) <laughs> like poly and I was uh-huh. like oh that's sure, so cool like sure. you get to study like all mm-hmm. of them and like their interactions and stuff and that's so cool um, right. but late into the to the game stuff I it was like as soon as I took CS 101 I was like gotta figure out how to make games and I did the classic game dev mistake of like my first game will be my dream project uh-huh. it was going to be a yeah cooperative and competitive split screen, two player fighting game that was also narrative that had combinatorial <laughs> moves. Like you could pick two colors and like depending on the colors you pick would they could then interact in different ways. So it was like an exponential like combinations of moves and stuff. And it was based off of the lore of this fucking high school book. Oh my God. That rules. It rules and it also sucks. And because like right. there were literally like times where I was like, <laughs> It would be so much cooler if I could just like do this instead. I was like, but I can't. I was like, who the fuck am I? My boss's high school me is saying like, you can't break the lore of the book that right. only one of your friends read. Yes. <laughs> and I remember so clear as day, like, and I'm going to say it out loud here. So I actually make this video. This is all like part of the stuff of the video I want to make about this whole game story. But like, I remember one of my um, computer science heroes at, Vassar was this person named Kat and she had already graduated and was messaging me and was like, hey, Tom, how's that game you were working on when you were a freshman? And I was like, it's still good. I think if I have like a few more levels, I might finally have a thing I can actually show people like a playable demo. And she was like, mm-hmm. oh no, you gotta like, she was like, I know you, you love this dearly. Just like get a version out. And that was good. And then I went to do a bunch of like game jam stuff, which I loved dearly. Did some Loom Dare and stuff. Did well on some of them, which was placed like sixth or something in one of them. Loved that. But then now was swinging too hard the opposite direction, which was just like I was making all game jam games. And then so then made that game with some friends and it was um, it was fun. It was, it was a whole thing. Layton, I don't know if you feel like that echoes a similar story at all with the perils of of game development at all? I never thought that I would actually go into game development. I went to art school for sequential art was Mm, my mm. major because I wanted to make comics and then quickly realized that I lack the constitution to make comics. 
And I was thinking like, oh, maybe I'll minor in game development or something. But, you know, we started working on Dream Daddy and uh, I was having a rough time in college. I think I did that thing where you kind of grow up in a shitty situation and you see college as like, you're escape. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to spend my whole childhood fixating mm-hmm. on college. And then I got there and it didn't instantly fix all my problems. So I was really <laughs> upset about that. But working on the game, it was like once it came out, I suddenly had like a career and stuff and realized that I really liked doing it. Also, I mean, you guys really, you know, you had such a unicorn out of the gate with your first ever game. Like, it's such a cool and unusual thing, right? It Six years on continues to be difficult seeing it as a thing that we did instead of like Mm, something mm, that happened mm. to us. Like it, it was some, you know, act of God, like just incredibly lucky thing, which it was. But it's really hard for me to be like, we made a whole ass game. We did that. Not, you know, it got dropped in your lap. A whole ass, widely beloved and successful game. Not just a game. You did more than just make a game. You made a hit game that people love dearly. A couple episodes ago, we had an old comedy friend of mine, Chris Grace, on. And, you know, Chris and I have known each other for years. And he came on the show and he was like, I had no idea that you did a show with one of the Dream Daddy people. Oh, my God. (laughs) And he played our new horror game, the, which was really, yeah, really he's just sweet. the best guy. And by the way, I said this, I think on a mini or maybe, I don't know if we were recording. He recently did an Edinburgh Fringe show, which was a huge hit. So we talked to him right before he was going to Edinburgh. And apparently the show just crushed. So big shout out to Chris for Congrats, Chris. You fucking Edinburgh. deserve yeah, it. He's best. awesome. I, I will say, Leighton, I, I feel like I have a, had a similar feeling with TikTok when I when I first hopped onto that because like the first video I made did kind of implode a little bit. I have big love hate relationships, but that is sort of how I got to become an internety person. But like it's a thing that felt felt like happened to me rather than was made. But you know, I I think the the way I always rationalize it to myself is that like there was so much work beforehand to make me the kind of person I was to make the thing. So there is so much more to it than just like the thing it was. So it's is all the the time before that made the thing. I don't know if yeah. that helps at all, but sometimes that's what I think about. That totally makes sense. And also like, you know, Dream Daddy came out a month before I turned 20. <laughs> and so it was crazy. the result of me spending all of my teenage years busting ass to do something and to escape. And I did. And then it was just like, congrats, you're an adult now. Uh, You have a career. Here you go. By the way, not only are you an adult, you're a public figure. Mm, Right. mm, And people have very strong opinions, both positive and negative about a thing you did. Indeed, you're not even a fully formed person yet. And so I dropped out of school and I moved out here and things have been weird ever since. Good, weird, but weird. Yeah, I I just saw on on this TikTok that I posted a couple days ago, my first in a year or whatever, I saw a comment that said, sometimes I forget Brian is a real person. (laughs) And I was like, what? What? Saying the quiet part out loud, I guess. Yeah, I mean, but isn't that true about everybody online or TV or whatever, any kind of public figure. It's like, no, that's a human being. Like when you say mean things about them, they don't like it. I do think (laughs) that like 
the TikTok of stuff has maybe helped a bit for people to understand that people are people just by the nature of the fact that like it is one of the more like open video platforms that like people do actually yes. like still organically uh, have like millions of views and are just like a person mm-hmm. recording a video like in their car on their lunch break and stuff like right, that. Right. I hate TikTok for a lot of reasons. I think the the <laughs> algorithmicness of it all is is bonkers. I think it's broken in a lot of way. Like my for whatever reason, my app will not show me videos from my mutuals, which is just like really it's just like a miserable oh fully. And it, it's I've even what? like done tests where I've unfollowed every single person except for my mutuals to test this, and then like it it just like shows like a blank page on the on oh my god the, the following tab. So like it's just like a stupid and bad, and then also there's a you know of course inherently the whether purposefully or unpurposefully you know racist algorithms and and the way that sure. they they boost and and hide other things. But like aside from all that, the one like amazing thing about that I do love about TikTok is that like the fact that so many people are making stuff, especially like in the education space. Do you still see comments a lot about people being like? Oh, you're you could be like the Asian Bill Nye or like the 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 female Bill Nye or something like that. And people are always like, you could be the Bill Nye, Bill Nye, Bill Nye. And I'm I'm so firmly like, this is a million times better than a Bill Nye because in this ecosystem you have a thousand science creators. We don't have to have a monoculture science communicator anymore. That's right. One of my mutuals, Lindsay Nicole, made a video about like which bat species you are based on your zodiac sign, and it's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't resonate with me a ton, but like it has a ton of views and it has a ton of people. And that's how some people like best communicate with that. And and like that's fucking rules. Like that's amazing. And yes. so that aspect of TikTok is really, really cool. Monetization fucking sucks. All kinds of yeah. other stuff oh, is yeah. bad and horrible. But like that is my little prepackaged rant. You know, t- TikTok, of course. It's it's really. Sorry, please, Layton. I value women's no, voices. No, it's, it's really mm-hmm. good. <laughs> It's really good to hear like <laughs> positives about TikTok. Ally, ally, because see. It's <laughs> women respecter. Yes, that's that's uh, me. It's really good to hear somebody talk about the positives yeah. of the platform because I feel like all I ever see is negativity about it and I am also really negative about it <laughs> despite not using it which is the perfect old man yells at cloud <laughs> even though I am like literally age-wise, demographically, smack dab in the middle of, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, major yeah. target audience. It's wild that I can feel old on a platform. Like that, that's, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's so. Tell me about it. <laughs> For my TikTok, I follow two types of people, musicians and science communicators. And both of them on TikTok are fucking awesome. Oh yeah, mu- music also, 100%, yeah. Music's incredible on TikTok. And so many musicians have like blown up through TikTok. You know, you get these people who do this super, super rad stuff. I love music on TikTok. You know, obviously TikTok has a big disinformation side, you know, of of Mm -hmm, anti mm -hmm. or pseudoscientific stuff as well, of course. But the science communicators on TikTok, generally speaking, like are, uh, it's exactly what you say, Tom. It's interesting. It's stuff that I have not seen done elsewhere at all like that. And it's, you know, it's people doing really, really great and I think genuinely important work. It's how you get to people. The one person I bring up all the time and have talked about in the show, who I'd love to have on, is Online Kine, who is a math drag queen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Amazing. And so she, I just saw one of her videos and a lot of the stuff she does is like, 
and this is not a knock at all. It's like college level math. Okay. She just posted a video being like, all right, I'm going to explain Andrew Wiles' proof of Fermat's last theorem. Yes. And I was like, what the fuck? Hell yeah. And she said, you know, she said like modular (laughs) forms and elliptic curves and all this stuff. That's high level shit. This is like graduate level math that, okay. So there are plenty of videos out there where somebody's explaining Wiles' proof of Fermat's last theorem, blah, blah, blah. But not too many, not too many in an accessible way. And nobody in full drag, like where else are you going to get this? Uh, I thought that was so great. And there's so many examples, like you say, of it's like this interesting way of doing it and communicating from this particular perspective is not something I could get elsewhere. I have to obligatory shout out one of my friends who's a science communicator on here who I get genuinely mad how few followers they have. They are like precisely my brand of science humor and like, but also like showing all the sources on the screen and also having some of the the coldest, wry sense of humor that I really love is uh, Trash Bandicoot. (laughs) Ashlyn Trash Bandicoot on TikTok, who is amazing, did a series that popped off a while ago about calling out blathers for in Animal Crossing for spreading slightly wrong misinformation about like fossil facts and stuff like that. <laughs> Jokingly, obviously, lo- loves the game. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's been great. That is fantastic. I was going to say that I think one of the really great things about the internet, you especially see this in like art circles and music circles and game development, especially that tools that are free have mm, been mm. made available and accessible and having like this dearth of like Blender, for example, I learned, started learning Blender in the past year. And like all of that was from YouTube. And if you're 15 and you want to make cool stuff for free, yes. you can get like a legitimately good education and have access to tools. And I think that TikTok is putting like really accessible and pretty robust like editing tools and I I think there are a lot of like skills especially you know if you want to get into like acting comedy whatever like whatever you're doing you have access to a global community of people who are also doing it and who have experience that you can learn from and I think that is always a good thing despite you know whatever other valid misgivings there are about the platform totally 100% just I'm always curious Tom Handful of recommendation, other science communicators to follow on TikTok. Just people you like off the top of your head. Yeah, Trash Bandicoot's my number one. Bandicoot with a K there. Odd Pride is great. They do sort of all, all general history knowledge science. Hank Green's a good good starting point if you just yep. need like a good seed into your... Um, I also, I gotta say, I don't know how he does so many. I have genuinely no idea. I also do know that I am wild in this aspect, but I will spend so much agonizing time on TikToks. I get very like into my head. And one time there was a video I had where I was blowing two party streamers as like a one-off gag. Finished it, edited it, captioned it all. And then I was like, what if people think that that represents the Ukrainian flag during this conflict. <laughs> and that will be seen as a political statement. So I oh fucking reshot it all with different color. And my friend was like, what the fuck is, what are you talking about? Yes. Also, first of all, like that's the correct side. So like, it's not even like, it's, not, it's just like, <laughs> I very much need to rely on my friends. But that's that's such a a real person who has been on the yes. internet oh, for yeah. a long oh, time. It's all the Neur- preemptive. Neuroses. Yeah. 
because everyone I know, me, I'm like that. Like, and it's you know, you you tell a normal person, and they're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" It's like (laughs) you don't know. You haven't seen the things that I've seen. (laughs) Well, it's two things, right? One is like, one is some genuine fear that it could cause you and your career distress. The other, which for me is probably the larger one, is like, wait, what am I going to have to deal with? Really? (laughs) It's not like I think anyone would plausibly consider that whatever stripe of uncool you want to consider it This is not genuinely harmful, but it could be perceived in a way that would cause people to be very mad at me. And I'm a desperate, pathetic people pleaser. (laughs) (laughs) 100%. You know, I think all the time about this is like, Okay, so let's say someone took this out of context and accused me of fill in the blank. Well, there's an obvious, like no rational person would actually think I meant that. So I'm not worried about it. But the internet isn't rational, my friend. So then it gets clipped and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) By the way, on our most recent mini episode, although to the recording now when this comes out, there's a very cool quote about a certain actor that could easily (laughs) uh, be used. Not going to mention it. But I, I, I think... I'm not worried about saying something that's genuinely awful because I think I wouldn't do that. I mean, sure, always possible, but who knows? I don't think I would say anything that was genuinely terrible. I'm much more worried about having to deal with an onslaught of bullshit that is from people misquoting or misinterpreting something. Because it's not proportionate. No No response on the internet is ever proportionate. Like there's a certain amount that is appropriate if you've fucked up 100%. a bit, but there's no speed limiter on the way that the internet does anything. Yes. You know, this is very like bad and like internet brained of me, but like the first time we got like a two star <laughs> review on our podcast, I was like, oh shit, we're like hitting other people. Yep. <laughs> like, or like whenever a, a TikTok gets like the first comment that's like, science isn't real. I'm like, oh man, this video is blowing up. This is doing yep, good. Yep. <laughs> like, it's, it's reached outside the bubble. <laughs> this is doing numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Last one is this. I did one video where I had spent like months working on this because I it was about like buoyancy, which is just such a uh, impossible thing to like explain clearly and visually. Had done this video, posted it, captioned it, everything, and then like an hour later, after it's already getting traction, I realized I had spelled buoyancy wrong every <laughs> single time in the captions. It's like, did you do it? B O U Y. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But what I did was I, and this is another great feature that TikTok does is is like friends only videos. Mm-hmm. And so I just made one and I just was like, I made this mistake and I'm just going to leave it and that's fine. And I'm going to go roller skating and not think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not one comment. Not really? No one, not one wow. single comment. And then like I was able to change it when I then posted it to like YouTube and stuff like that. But like Mm -hmm. if I had been like slightly more negative that day, I probably would have just like deleted it, re-uploaded and just like Mm -hmm. tanked some of the stats. The last thing, just because I I was on my phone looking up other folks who are great. Evelyn Vollmer is a great uh, paleontologist who we had on our podcast before. Uh, Marine Bioho does marine bio stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rockman Ethan and Gio Beckley do great geology stuff. It's great. If you if you follow enough of those like seed people, eventually you'll get you'll get more folks like that. Yeah, that's awesome. I I remember when I was on on Game Grumps, I remember seeing some post at some point where someone was like, "I fucking hate the Brian Weck style of humor." And, 
That was me, actually. Yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> I remember thinking, fuck yeah. There's a Brian Weck style Ooh, of humor. That's Hell a great yeah. spin. Right? Yeah. Like it's I have a recognizable comedic voice. That's what <laughs> that's what you want. Right? It's like, that's my style. Uh, yeah. Okay, great. I have a style and someone hates Did it. Did they define what the Brian Weck style of humor was? I don't was even remember. I think I might have bad. just seen the being hot and funny. The thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just being very cool and funny and handsome, you know? And, and everybody likes likes the person. And well, speaking of Brian Weck's style of comedy. Yeah. It's time for segments. Wow. Okay. Um, well, I guess it is time for segments, isn't it now? And we have two segments on this show. The first segment is our pop culture recommendation segment. This is the point in the show in which we and our esteemed guest get to talk about some culture, either high culture or low culture. It doesn't have to be pop culture. We've been enjoying recently. Could be a book, a movie, a video game, a comic strip, a graphic novel, a symphony, whatever it is. You get to well, talk about. What does about, that theme song sound like, Brian? Well, Tom, <laughs> I, I, I'm, get, I'm getting to that. Uh, <laughs> And I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there in a moment. God bless you for listening to episodes of the show. Tom. <laughs> yes, indeed. You came prepared. So what do I want to say about the theme song? You, you really opened up something that's near and dear to my heart, Tom, with, with the discussion of the theme song. I normally don't like to talk about the theme song of this show, of this segment, I should say, or the theme song of the show. We could talk about the theme song of the show, which is something that you know, we don't really get into much occasionally, very occasionally, once every 50 or so episodes, I will make reference to the, uh, I shouldn't say the segment name yet, to the theme song for this upcoming segment. But one thing that I actually would love feedback on from listeners, Tom, from you, less so from you, Layton, but sure, if you must, uh, <laughs> is the theme song for this for this show. Should we change it? Do people like it? Et cetera, et cetera. But the segment that we're we're coming up against right now, which most people call, well, I'll say the name in just a second. Uh, <laughs> I'm so most sorry if call, I did this. I'm so sorry if I'm responsible for this build-up. <laughs> There's nothing anyone can do. You know, Tom, that actually brings up an interesting point. Responsibility is actually something I've been thinking a lot about. All right, go uh, listen to my podcast. Recently. It's called Let's Learn Everything. Just, just before <laughs> people tune out. <laughs> no, Nobody's ever tuned out from this show, I'm pretty sure. Oh, not even the time that you did this for 15 minutes? You inserted yourself extending this? <laughs> oh, that's right. I did do that, didn't I? There was what? one time when I, 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 I without telling Layton, I oh contacted Jarek, our producer, and I said, I oh recorded an extra bit. Please put it in and make sure to do it after, after Layton approves the episode. <laughs> Which, yeah, that was a nasty surprise. It's called oh, co-hosting. God. I don't know, maybe like get used to it or something lately. <laughs> Adversarial co-hosting. Like, yeah, that's exactly what we are. Uh, oh my God. Anyway, the, the segment that we are doing, and I will say the name now, is, is called What's Poppin'. And as is well known, uh, I unfortunately do not have the ability to play the theme song right now on the show. I wish I did, but unfortunately, uh, technology has not advanced to that point quite yet. We hope to be there someday, but that day is not today. The theme song, which we insert in post, goes here. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? Great. That is the theme song for What's Poppin'. Now, Tom, uh, you have heard 
past episodes. I have. So you can actually, I don't know if you remember it, you could react and tell me your opinion of the theme song too. Yeah, What's my pop? opinion is this is one of the most wild recurring bits in any <laughs> podcast. It's so, so strange and meta. And I feel like there must have been some origin. I probably haven't reached it, but it's just has 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 become such a funny like meta. And also like, what do you want me to, what is the question? What is the answer to say? What should I say? It's good. I like it. What a, what a wild thing to ask someone is like, hey, by the way, so for it to be a recurring thing is like, and, and now as always, we ask our guests, what did you think about that song you either vaguely remember or haven't heard before? Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. Great. Perfect. The, <laughs> I, I will just, I, I do want to correct a misconception here is that uh, if you think this is about the other person's reaction to the What's Poppin' theme song, you are wrong. This is the segment <laughs> of the show where I get to for once in the show. Normally the show, you know, I don't say that much. It's mostly late and just yammering on about whatever. Uh, oh I God. actually get to have a moment to myself to take <sighs> a moment to breathe. The show is we, we're all about, you know, our breakneck <sighs> pace. You know, we never really let up. We never take our foot off the gas. You know, it's high octane podcasting. We're, the, we're, we're at premium. We're 91 on podcast octane 93 maybe even and i like to think of this as the point of the show where we get to take a moment to reflect to think about ourselves as people and as podcasters so come and to a grinding halt is that what you're saying <laughs> that's a rephrase. it's it's, it's yes, a nice I, I, it's like an intermission where it gives the audience of the play a chance to be like this shit sucks and then you can yeah it is, it is also exit. sort of like Sort of like if, if one of the main characters leaned out to the audience and was like, by the way, what'd you think of that song? That last one was good. Good. Do you remember it? It was good. Cool. Yep. I, I, it was only recently with Chris, who we uh, mentioned earlier, where he <laughs> framed this as me being desperate for validation, which I thought was a really <laughs> cool way and, uh, and legitimately something that had never occurred to me. Which because- is shocking. <laughs> Reveals so much about the the inner workings of your psyche, Brian Wecht. To be like, this is entirely a bit. It can't be misinterpreted. <laughs> no, no, but I do I do want to push back. I've never done a bit on this show. There are no bits on this show. Of course. This of course. show does not mm-hmm. have bits. Uh, we have segments and experiences, and this has been both. So <laughs> experiences. Yes. The experience of closing your preferred podcast listening app in favor of literally anything else. Layton, what's popping? Let's learn everything. I'll be a vulture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's popping for me is the YouTube channel of somebody named Mickey Atkins, who is a therapist and YouTuber. YouTube therapist put me off a bit because I think that done poorly, it can be like an actively harmful thing to mm-hmm. like broadly pathologize, especially mm-hmm. like things that are in the news or public figures or whatever. Mm, mm, Like, mm. I think there are a lot of ways that can be unhealthy. But Mickey does a really great job of coming from a really good, like, trauma-informed background and does not throw around diagnoses and is very, like, focused on caring for yourself. But she does these really great videos talking about, like, this kind of new generation of uh, fundamentalists on social media, which is like a hyper fixation for me, having grown up in a pretty oppressively Christian milieu. And she goes really deep into like purity culture and, you know, has a background of she had a phase where she was really, really Christian. And it's such a thoughtful and nuanced and respectful take on a bunch of 
kind of despicably hateful people sometimes. And it's very refreshing and she's really funny and I've been really enjoying watching her channel. So Mickey Atkins, YouTube, check it out. It's easy to remember. It's like, it's like the mouse and the diet. <laughs> you know, I DM'd her asking to come on this show. So here's hope when she doesn't. Mini, mini keto? <laughs> I, no, that was my. I used to dance. Here's hoping she doesn't name, yes. listen to this. Um, I say I say that with respect. Yeah, she recently did a video about two particularly hateful people who I'm just not going to name because I don't want to platform them at all. But they're prominent is too strong a word. But they're you know very loud young fundies where, you know, she talks about a bunch of harmful shit that they did. And one of them made a response video that was incredibly obnoxious and went after her for her weight. And it was just really disgusting. And the way that she responded to it on social media, like she handled it with such grace. You'll love to see it. Yeah. It was just like, this says everything about who you are as a person and who exactly this pile of shit is. That like, they won't address your extremely valid argument at all. Right, and they just go ad hominem like right away. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking dumb. So anyway, yeah, Mickey, you rule. Keep doing your thing. Tom, what's popping? What's popping for me is fucking Adventure Time, baby. We're so back. Um... (laughs) The new Fiona and Cake series, which I initially thought was just going to somehow be like a spinoff, is very much... I don't know if it's any other way to interpret it besides like a continuation of the series. It's the definition of we're so back. It's so... <laughs> it's still that that That's beautiful awesome. thing of being both like silly and grounded in the most extreme ways. And, you know, because it's more, more focused now, doesn't have to do as many like filler episodes, uh, which I know some people were iffy about. A good friend of mine was like, started recently watching Adventure Time and it's like, God, there's like so many seasons. And like, you know, was was in the intro, the beginning parts where it's like mostly like goofy, which I do love. But like, you know, when you're trying to be an adult human being and and do other things, but then also have catch up on this, it's like, they were like, is this good? And I was, I, I remember loving Adventure Time. Like, was it actually that good? And then I saw this TikTok where someone set like really fast like clips of some of the like most meaningful moments to Adrienne Lanker's song Anything if you know that one and I was just like oh my god like this is I forgot like there is so much this I was like no it's a a good show actually I do actually like it and I think this sequel like treats it with so much respect like it feels grown up a little bit more but in a way that like still loves who it used to be which is you know kind of rare for like a sequel to to do and it's also just like so interesting and they're trying so much new stuff still and so it's really cool and the episodes are coming out i think it's gonna be one tomorrow it just when we're recording this it just about recently came out and i'm so hyped and it's so cool it's funny you mentioned that i was just thinking about adventure time this week i've seen a bunch but not like even most and i was curious i think i was like should i watch that with my nine-year-old i mean Probably that would be good, but I wonder if it would be over her head a bit, but I think she would like the parts that are more accessible. I don't know. I, I've, I've been curious. Like, what, what do you think? Nine, nine is fine. I mean, it's for kids in many ways, right? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, 
the like drama is very like still in the the silly world and i think it does do a good job of the like not as much of the like calvin and Hobbes like layering the like parents understand this part but but yeah it manages to do that without it being two separate layers i guess i don't know it's it's still good that's great awesome brian yes what's popping What's popping for me this week is last week uh, on Thursday, I went to the Ford Theater here in beautiful Los Angeles to see an 80th birthday concert for Meredith Monk, who is a composer, choreographer, vocalist, filmmaker, like one of these polymathic genius talents and a composer whose work I have loved for a very long time. And what I didn't realize is that this show, this concert, first of all, the Ford Theater is a probably my favorite venue in LA. It's an outdoor theater right across from the Hollywood Bowl, but it's much smaller and it's right against these beautiful hills. It's like, it's a great, great, great venue. But what they did was it was Meredith Monk, who again is 80 and three other vocalists and an ensemble of super talented musicians called the Bang on a Can All-Stars who did a a full album of hers. So this is my What's Poppin'. It's a Meredith Monk album from uh, 2020 called Memory Game, in which they took a bunch of her works and rearranged them. And the ones I know that were there already are pretty much the same, but with just, you know, reorchestrated and that sort of stuff. But her stuff is so fucking weird in the best way. Her compositional style is very minimalist, like a Steve Reich or a Philip Glass. But she adds to that these extended vocal techniques. There's a lot of, you know, like really wild vocal stuff going on. And it's just awesome. It's like unapologetically just its own thing. And seeing her, you know, listening to her stuff for 35 years or whatever, like I've always thought she was amazing. And seeing her in person, sing her own stuff with this ensemble of people was just amazing. So the What's Poppin' for me is this Meredith Monk album from 2020 called Memory Game, but also that incredible concert because it's just, you know, she's 80 years old. Who knows how much longer we have with her? And she's still going strong, sounded great. And it was a new music concert with a packed crowd, packed. And it's so nice when these like, weird classical things get an audience, right? Not a young crowd, mind you, but a mm-hmm. packed crowd. So if you had uh, to yeah. recommend like one song for people who have never listened to her stuff before to check out, what would you recommend? She has this like sci-fi opera called The Games. Is it called The Game Master's Song? Let me look this up. Game Master's Song. What I liked about it, and this is something I actually have been thinking about a lot in a broader context is... The stuff is odd and you have to buy into it. You have to just go in knowing I'm going to buy into this. And if you don't, it's very easy to stand at a distance and be like, what? You know, she's just going, you know, or whatever. It's very easy to look at it with detachment. And what I loved about this crowd is everybody bought in and it was like, we're going to, we're going to do this. So yeah, Game Master's song. This memory game version is great. In my first Meredith Monk album was uh, it was a Meredith Monk John Cage album called Pianos and Voices, which must have come out in the eighties. That collaboration makes so much sense. It really, really does. <laughs> they're pictured together on the cover, like in the same place. So they're contemporaries, although he's a bit older. And the Game Master song from that album, Meredith Monk Pianos and Voices, is fantastic. Not at all. 
Wonderful. So, uh, Layden. Now it's time for our final segment, which is three parts gratitude exercise, one part petty Sorry, grousing. Can you please, can you go through the intro a little faster? We're kind of short on time here. Fucking God. <laughs> Do you see the disrespect that I have to put up with every fucking week, multiple times a week? It's also, I'm thinking about him thinking about that joke while he was rambling on in the first half being like, ooh, and then like, <laughs> yeah, I'm really going to show her. I will reiterate. I don't make jokes. I don't do bits. I provide Sorry, experiences. the experience you were thinking Thank about. You. I, I appreciate that. Thank you, Tom. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, anyway, it's fucking peaches and lemons. Let's go. Hell yeah, it is. Peaches and lemons. Peaches and lemons. Wow, holy fucking shit. That was the theme song of Peaches and Lemons. Whoa. That I always swear has the Discord notification. Actually, no, I'm thinking of the What's Poppin' theme song. Excuse me, never mind. I'm an idiot. What, Layton, what do you think about the What's Poppin' theme song? Stop. Now that you mentioned it. Okay. Stop. Even, Stop. even I thought that one was too much. Yeah, don't even push it. Uh, I, we're all going to start with a lemon, Tom. You've listened to the show. Uh, it's a thing that's a minor bummer or annoyance. Uh, I'll go first because I love inserting myself into this. This actually might have been my lemon from last week, and I don't care because I have no concept of time or memory. Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty is coming out later this month. Very excited mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. But the good folks at CD Projekt Red were like, you need a fresh install. No mods. Oh. No mods or oh. it's not going to work. And so oh, now no. I have to get rid of all of my mods. And I know that there's going to be like a ton of new stuff in the game and that people are going to figure out how to fix everything. But it's like, no, my radio stations. I have so many synthwave and like Japanese city pop. You cyberpunked your cyberpunk. I did. I'm stoked for the DLC. It's just, I, I just recently realized that I have to do a clean install of my Fallout New Vegas mods too. And it's just, just a sense of loss. Clean know? install is the name of the villain in the new series, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Space Jam 3 instead of Algae Rhythm. Oh my God, that's like a, a tech clean villain. Install. Clean install. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my lemon. Uh, who has a lemon? I can go with my lemon. Uh, my lemon is just, it's not software updates in general. It's like <laughs> software updates to programs that you thought you knew how to use. And then Photoshop or whatever comes in and it's like, hey, you know that tool you liked? Well, guess what? Now it's something different. And also you didn't and really know how like to, to use Photoshop anyway. Yes, right. <laughs> what yeah. about our AI tools though? So I'm not good at Photoshop. I don't know how to do that shit. I've just kind of, you know, pieced it together over the years to do the bare minimum. And I went to use Photoshop for something today and I was like, they, they changed the tool. Oh, come on. What's the tool that you were looking for? It was so, it was a select tool. Like magic select, a little magic wand. Object select, which it seems to look differently than I thought it did. I don't know. Well, here, here's the other thing is maybe I just didn't understand it to begin with. And it was always like that because I don't know what I'm doing. So, well, there's also when you have the tab on the left, right, there are multiple tools stacked onto each icon. So, like, yes, if you hold right. down that select, it'll show you the different. Right. I don't know if that solves anything. It's bad software. I was using Photoshop for years before I realized that, that very fact. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not good at it. I barely know what I'm doing, but I successfully made a YouTube thumbnail. So, congratulations, <laughs> good work. me. Yeah. Uh, Tom. Tom Lemon. Lemon. There's some peaches to go that are related to this, but uh did get laid off. And that that was a big lemon. Oh, no. Uh, from my day no. job kind of a thing. Can't talk too much about it. But the one thing I will say is previously was laid off at a place where we had just unionized. 
And that was a much better process of being laid off. And I highly <laughs> recommend uh, getting a little union. That's that's my plug there. Is that it's better than. But uh, yeah, just a little jarring in terms of the the day schedule of it all. Um, and also corporations don't love you. As a, as a friendly reminder. They do not. But they are people. <laughs> and they're, best, they're your best friends. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Genuine official late night stance. Union good. Corporations bad. Yep. I'm sorry to hear that, man. That yeah, is a bummer. bummer. All right. Well, Peaches, I will also go first. My first one is that I'm almost done with my latest, my latest journal that has spanned me. I really slacked <gasps> on writing in this journal because like the first entry is like 2021, which is wow. yeah, bad of me. Like this one saw me through a, a bunch of shit. It was my journal in the nut house and I've got like three pages left. It's almost done. And then I have a sexy fresh one somewhere around here <laughs> and I'm excited to to break ground on a new one. You have sexy mods installed on that drum. <laughs> I do, right. yeah. No, I literally, I have like, so our, my friend Allie, friend of the show, guest, did this awesome like Judith Beheading Holofernes sticker. Oh, that's great. And I have a second one and I immediately slapped it because it's like, yeah, this is perfect. <laughs> but yeah, so that's peach one. Peach two is that I love a good frozen food because I'm lazy and I enjoy eating garbage. The low self-esteem is radiating off of me today. But uh, I found a new one, Saffron Road Butter Chicken and Coconut Chicken Curry. It's so fucking good. It's filling, it's tasty, it's comforting. I'm obsessed with it and I can't wait to burn out on it once it starts tasting like depression. (laughs) As is always the case and why I can't eat any of the Amy's frozen foods anymore because that broccoli and cheddar mac and cheese, boy, it tastes like I don't have enough serotonin. with memories, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, also one time I got one that was moldy and I was eating it in the dark, so I just thought it was broccoli and I was like, why does this (gasps) taste like shit? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, my last peach is a text that Brian sent me last night that made me laugh really, really hard, um, which is simply a screenshot of uh, an article headline that has a picture of Stephen King. And the headline is, Stephen King played Mambo Number no. 5 so much that his wife threatened to leave him. And that's real. That's true. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I saw that just like out of context. That was Stephen King? That was Stephen yep. King. <laughs> It was the extended dance remix of Mambo Number no. 5. And also from yes. the Rolling Stone article that this is from, he reveals that he's really big into LCD sound system. So, wow, go off, that King. That I suppose. Do you know what blew my mind? What? Do you know where Lou Bega is from? No. That is a German man. Lou Bega is German. His name what? is something Lou Bega. And he adopted the name Lou Bega. Whoa. And I was like, oh, that's an American guy. Maybe, you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where he's from. Maybe he's, um, you know, he's Latino. I don't know. Uh, nope. That is just a, a I don't know. Does what he have ethnicity. a German is that all? Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about him except he is a, he's, but let me fact check this before I really go out on <laughs> die on this hill. Misinformation. Uh, <laughs> His name is David Lubega Balamezzi, and he is a German singer. Wow. So, Wild. Yep. Oh, Good my God. Him. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He is exactly, now this is going to blow your mind, nine days older than me. Wow. Exactly. And what have you been doing with your life, Brian? Physics? Raising a child? Well, you still got nine days. Yeah, I still have nine days. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Well, wow. Look at that. Very impressive. Okay. So, yeah. Well, all right. Those are my peaches and that's Lou Bega. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Tom, what are your peaches? My first peach is related to the um, uh, lemon. And also, I always have to be like crystal clear, like laid off from day job, not like the podcast or anything right, like right, that, right. still making all that stuff. But like first peach is I made the dumbest video about being laid off where it was set to the song Celebration. And I went, guess who got laid <laughs> off? It's me. <laughs> and then just like, it was like, hire me and stuff. And everyone was was so, so kind. I almost didn't post it because I was like, this is so dumb. Um, <laughs> but has been super kind, has reached out. And there are some very interesting opportunities that I have been looking cool. into that hey. may be even better than the last thing. So Love it. Um, that, that turned into a peach. Second peach is uh, <laughs> is Vocaloid music. Um, <laughs> there's an app called uh, Project Sekai. It's like a Hatsune Miku rhythm game. It's like very obtuse. It has sort of like that like Fortnite energy of there's like a million different things in the interface. I had one of my good friends like help me explain it. But like I play the song, I listen to the songs and I'm like smiling, like like just like full on cheesing at this game because it's just such a cool genre. There's so much new to it from that perspective to be like, holy shit. And then one of the songs that got me into it was The Vampire, which has Hatsune Miku in it. And it's, I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, it's the, the back to the future. Like, what is this? Like, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> kind of a yeah, yeah. discovery of that. Um, it's great. There's something so weirdly soothing about the Miku voice. Like, the, the oh, modulation yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of it mm-hmm. is just, it, it scratches an itch. Recently on Twitter, people have been like, there's like a new AI voice person that's been signed. And it's the first one ever. And it's like, fucking no, no. <laughs> Yeah. Miku's been here. Fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. Last peach is um, having lights. For the longest time, my light in my kitchen and my bathroom were out. And I was fully convinced it was like a wiring issue. And so I've just been, was living way too long using like my phone <laughs> flashlight and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah full, and being like, this uh-huh. is fine. I don't really need this. And then uh, one day, like finally changed them and was like, oh, I needed this. This is good, actually. And, you know, I think there might be, like, a lesson to extrapolate that from <laughs> to, like, other... No, no, never mind. No, no I think it's no. just lights, actually. It's just lights, yeah. Sorry, that was, that was wild. There's, there's no way that can be. But, um, yeah, the lights are good. Turns out. Lights are good. That's great. Brian, yes. it is with your peaches and really right. try to like make it snappy, please. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I appreciate it. Tend- I, I would be a hypocrite if, I, if I gave feedback but didn't receive it graciously. And I do appreciate that, Lane. Mm-hmm. That's right. Peach number one. Uh, today is my daughter Audrey's first day of fourth grade. And Woo! kids getting big. Fourth grade. <sighs> like, I remember fourth grade. Fourth grade. You remember fourth grade. Yeah. Getting big. And it's just, you know, I love watching her grow up. She's the best. Peach two is I, I tackled one of those, like, when am I going to fucking do this? I don't want to do it projects. Look at this. Can you guess what's in this bag? This is a full bag of hard drives. Oh, Uh, God knows what. And I went through that bag and I figured (gasps) out what was on them. I backed (laughs) up the stuff I needed to back up and I classified them and I, even came up with an abbreviation, WM, won't mount. So what's on this drive? Only Jesus knows. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, and my final peach is, I don't know if I've ever talked about this. I have a, an, a long dead older relative, uh, uncle, cousin, something like that, uh, who is a, an artist, an early 20th century artist who did mostly paintings of like lower class Jewish life, like Lower East Side, New York kind of stuff. And forever, these paintings have been, my family had them. Uh, and they were at my sister's place in Jersey where I, you know, near where we grew up because I was terrified of shipping them. She has some, I had some, and I finally shipped them across the country out here to LA. And I was ter- terrified. These are priceless. This guy has been dead since the, you know, 1970. Anything happened to these, I would be inconsolable. And they all got here without a scratch on them. They all mount. <laughs> they all mount. Indeed, they, they mounted them. That's right, right on the wall. Uh, and uh, his name is Alexander Z. Cruz, K-R-U-S-E. You can look up his name. He's not super famous, but he does have stuff you can see online. And finally, I have these paintings that mean so much to me in my home, and they all got out here. And a shout out to UPS, because I asked an art friend, where <laughs> should I get these packed? And she's like, just go to UPS. And they packed them and shipped them, and they all got here. I am so excited to see these in the flesh because you've told me about this relative for a long time a and long the paintings time, yes. are awesome. And I love that era of painting. Yes. Like it's one of my favorite. Same. It's just awesome. Yeah. Uh, congrats. I'm really happy so, they got there. That's amazing. Fucking too. I think I had the idea that they were like in uh, the basement that flooded and I'm glad that that is not <sighs> the case. The, yeah. So my sister's basement flooded a couple of years ago during one of the hurricanes and uh, they, these luckily were in a different place. So we were spared. Everyone back up your drives, make sure all the stuff, just a PSA, make sure you yeah. got all your precious stuff is all good. Stop saving things to too. desktop. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> Latent. <laughs> Tom, this was fucking awesome. Thank you for joy. being here. This was a blast. What, so much fun to talk to you. I love your show. You guys are doing awesome stuff. Oh, and uh, it really has been just a tremendous joy to have you on. Yeah. Thanks. It's been a blast. I also love this show dearly. It's a, a great balance of truly nonsense and then surprisingly deep moments occasionally. Uh, and it's been so fun to tear through the backlog lately. Um, awesome. So, uh, thank, thanks Thank you for having you. me on. It's great. Yeah. Thanks, course, Tom. You're, you're a sweetheart and you're eminently talented and you have an infectious laugh. If people want to hear more <laughs> of that, <laughs> where, can they, where, can, where can they go? Uh, I'm Tom Lum Person everywhere on all the social medias and you can listen to the podcast Let's Learn Everything wherever you get podcasts. You're listening to the podcast right now. It's that thing. Yes, technically this is a podcast. <laughs> Legally, it's, it's considered yeah, one. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Legally, <laughs> legally, it's a podcast. <laughs> should be our, our, our tagline. Legally, Even that's it's a podcast. Legally a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. That's our show. I don't have a catchphrase or come closing on. words. No, come on, do it. <clears throat> yes, you do. I'm not going to say gasms. I hope you has them. That was a one-off. There it is. <laughs> I did listen to that episode. <laughs> I, was, I, I forgot to mention gasms more. <laughs> oh, next time. Sorry. Sorry about that. Next time we'll have more gasms. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. There we go. We did it, folks. I'm Podcast done. over. Bye. Landed that. <laughs> That's what I do. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at Leighton at gmail.com. <laughs>